When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. My name is Harold Thornbrough and I'm joined today by Katie Brandt. And uh, she's doing some really cool stuff on a really small space, kind of like me. And we're going to talk all about that. So uh, how you doing, Katie? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Harold. I'm really excited to be here. This is my first podcast ever. So <laughs> it's my debut and I'm I'm very thrilled to be here with you. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. And I was telling you right before we got started that, you know, this was my passion in the beginning was talking to folks who were doing it kind of like I was doing it, you know, because it was really inspiring to me and helping me understand just what I could do in a small space, you know, how much mm -hmm. you could do and just how realistic was it, you know, and and because that's the big question on everybody's mind. Like, can you really do anything that's worth anything in a small yeah. space? And mm -hmm. so many folks want to just wait you know, until yeah. that someday when they've got a place where they feel like they could do it. Yeah. And uh, folks like you and me, we're just all about inspiring people and saying, hey, you can do so much right where you're at. So, yes, I am really eager to talk with you about that. But before we jump into that, um, how kind of tell me your backstory. How'd you get into this? How was homesteading always on your radar or? No. <laughs> um, so I will say. I was I was one of those people up until probably about two years ago, maybe three. I was one of those people that this was my dream. And I thought, oh, one day, one day I'll have the perfect property and then I can start. Um, but as we'll talk about, it got to the point where one day wasn't soon enough. And so <laughs> I couldn't wait anymore. And I just decided to start. And that's kind of what we both, you know, try to inspire other people to do. Yeah. Um, so or I guess rewind a long time ago. I grew up in the suburbs and the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, the only thing I ever grew, there's, I have photographic evidence of my pap, my uh, mother's father and I, we grew one pumpkin and it never turned orange. And so we painted it orange for Halloween that year. <laughs> um, and I think maybe we grew, we grew some sunflowers too once, but I mean, they were in the city and it was probably about 18 inches width of dirt in between like our sidewalk and the fence. And that's where we yeah. grew things. And so that was the only experience I had. Um, he had a cabin up uh, like near Pima Tuning, Pennsylvania. And so we'd go up there and I love the country, but we never really grew things. Mm -hmm. So then aside from that, that was my only experience. Um, I actually went to college for music. I'm a professional singer and actress. And so I went to undergrad and graduate school for that. While I was in graduate school, my fiance, now husband, um, was down there with me and he had started, you know, he was interested in prepping and all those things. And I was interested in singing and performing and I thought he was crazy. And so he had watched some Justin Rhodes videos and that's how we got started. And, and yeah. I know he was interviewed on this podcast too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rachel yeah. interviewed Justin uh, here yeah. a while back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I listened to that one. And so... Um, we got started watching Justin Rhodes and his family, and I thought that sounded really cool. And um, I guess slowly we got a, a little tiny herb garden that sat on our balcony. Um, in Georgia, we had lettuce that we knocked off the balcony. We had carrots we grew in a five-gallon bucket that tasted terrible. <laughs> and then we had um, some mint that we planted it with a bunch of other things that strangled everything because yes now i know don't do that with mint <laughs> um and then one year we finally had like some tomatoes going and all this stuff and there were roofers over our apartment because we're in grad school so we we're on like a shoestring budget mm -hmm. and the roofers didn't tell us that they were working that day and threw roof tiles down on top of our entire garden oh no and ruined it yeah so it was that was like fueling the fire right i'm trying i'm trying um, and so then, yeah, just kind of 
never went away, the bug. And um, we moved to Fort Wayne from a husband's job. And it's a good midpoint between, he's from from Chicago originally. And so between Chicago and Pittsburgh. Um, And then we lived in an apartment for about a year and I didn't have any garden. And I was like, I can't do this. And so then we got a house (laughs) and that's where we are now. So it was, yeah, it it was really kind of this snowballing effect of, What that? Why would I don't know why I do that? That's fun, but yeah, there's there's nothing I can actually do unless I live out in the middle of nowhere with a ton of space. And mm-hmm. um, the more I got into it, and the more not desperate but urgent that need felt for me, uh, I just kind of started to think outside the box of like, all right, if we can't have pigs or chickens, like we can't even have chickens in our HOA, um, what can we do? And so that's where rabbits and bees came into play. So, so you were just fascinated by the lifestyle or was there some particular reason you just did? Maybe you were looking for healthier food. I mean, was there any aspect of it that really want to do it? Yeah, actually, that's a great point. So, so like I said, my husband was originally interested in it for the kind of self-reliance and prepping aspect. Um, I, I could have take, take or leave that. (laughs) Um, I find a lot more value in it now, but Um, what really struck me was the health aspect because we had started down a health journey, um, exercising more, trying to eat, you know, there was a farmer's market and we lived in Athens, Georgia. That's where I went, um, went to the university of Georgia. And so there was a farmer's market there and we'd started to get more familiar with, you know, organically grown food and the story that food has rather than just going to the store and buying it. Um, and so that really piqued my interest and then, um, started listening and reading more about how food can affect everything and, you know, like long-term health conditions and microbiome and all these, you know, buzzwords kind of, but all of these things that are really actually important. And so that's what kept me going was that to be frank, you know, not really trusting the food that's at the store. And yeah. wanting to take control of that for myself. And and once you start having children, it, it multiplies in the importance of it because you yes. want them to eat healthy. And, and I know you have Absolutely. a family, so um, yeah. I'm sure you care about that for them as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've experienced that same thing. Of course, you know, probably know my story with cancer and everything. Yeah. It kind of really uh, changed my mind about a lot of the things I was eating. But um, you're not just you're not just growing plants. First of all, how big of a space do you have there? How much ground land do you have? So our whole I mean, like our front yard, our house and our backyard is all a quarter of an acre. Okay. Um, So we don't do anything in the front. I've tried. I have, I think, three mint plants, but I I have yet to figure out what is in the soil up front, but everything dies. Really? Everything dies except for irises and tall savanna grass. It's not beautiful. Mm. Um, But we have plans to hopefully move some of our herbs out front because there's a like they're hardy and there's a bunch of sun. So. Hoping to just fill in that space, but we don't use that right now. Yeah. Um, obviously, our house is our house. That's it's about twenty one hundred square feet, um, and then our backyard. So, I would guess it's like a twelfth of an acre. Okay. Yeah. Small. Yeah. Not, I mean, but you're doing some pretty amazing things. You're not just growing plants. You're no. You've got some live creatures on your property as yes, well. Yes, we do. Yeah. So um, you're doing rabbits for one mm-hmm. thing. Yep. And how many rabbits do you, are they for meat rabbits or you yes. other purposes? Yeah. Okay. So, um, we have silver Fox, uh, oh. meat rabbits. Uh, we got them from, um, actually she has a YouTube channel, Tiffany. I can't remember her last name for the life of me right now, but she runs a Tealstone homestead as okay. her YouTube yep. channel. I know, I know that channel. Yeah. And so got connected with her actually, like she came and dropped off the rabbits at our house. Oh. Cause she was on her way back from a um, show. Okay, they're down south somewhere, aren't they? I mean, in- they're in Warsaw, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, but they used to live in New Haven, which is like twenty minutes away from us. Oh, okay. And so they um were actually in the process of that move because they moved on to some family land. And now they live in a mm. tiny home. And if if anyone's listening, go check her out because she has a really cool story yeah. as well. Um, but so we got our rabbits from her. We have a buck named Buddy, and <laughs> two does, one named Flora and one named Flossie. And Flora just had uh, her second litter, um, what, five days ago, I think? Oh, wow. Five or six days ago. Um, we had 10. We've lost two, unfortunately. Wow. That's a good 
Yeah. Match there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she had seven her first time around and then 10 this time. And yeah. the, um, we just bred Flossie today, actually. So we'll have her in a month. Um, but yeah, we had a couple chocolates in there as well. So one day maybe we'll, you know, sell some of them for pets or for other people to have as breeding stock too. But right now they're just for us for um the freezer. So you got and, to experience the whole processing and yes, doing all yeah. that. So yeah, recently done, that was like a first time recently then, huh? With that. Yeah. So we I'm trying to think. We've done this will be our third batch because we've okay. we've done one with each of them. And then this will be our third batch. I think we harvested the first ones in June. Okay. May or June. Um but yeah, it was a lot of YouTube watching um, <laughs> how to butcher a rabbit. And so, yeah. I mean, my husband, he, he's got even less growing experience than I do. I mean, yeah. he'd never really been to the country. He's raised in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, super like normal childhood, maybe grew some tomatoes in a pot with his mom, you know. And mm-hmm. so our family thinks we're a little crazy. Yeah. That now we're out in our backyard butchering rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> how was that experience for the two of you? I mean, is it? I mean, how how'd you feel about that? Sure. So I I was certain I was going to cry. I was <laughs> like, because everyone's like, how could you do that? Yeah. You know. But but the thing that that I try and tell everyone whenever they ask that question, because that's the number one question that people yes. ask pretty much. Yes. How could you do that? Um, is that one? I would rather be the one doing it than leaving them, you know, mm-hmm. in a factory situation or something where they're stressed out. I mean, my, she'll be three in a month. So I guess I'll say my three-year-old plays with them like all yeah. the time. We pet them all the time. You know, we brush them, we give them treats, you know, ca- kale from the garden and stuff. And so their life is awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not a fun moment when we have to do that. We don't enjoy it but at the same time that's a a necessary burden you know that we have we've chosen to bear so that we know that they have a good life we know we're getting nutrient-dense food um and we're also taking i don't know taking money away from the the farms and things that we don't necessarily want to support i like that yeah i i I figured that would be your answer because everybody i talk to that experiences it with chickens or rabbits or any livestock it's never like it's something you you long for, especially when no. you're new to it. It's something, yeah. you know, it's a little hard for a few times you do it. Yeah. But when you have a, I feel like a right understanding of where your food come from, comes from. And, and like you said, the factory situations out there, mm-hmm. um, it can actually make you feel really good about doing it the way oh, you're yeah. doing it and giving the animals the life that they have. And, and even the whole process of being that connected to your food is just a very special, I think, you know, and, oh, absolutely. And I, th- well, I think, most meat eaters should really experience that. Yes. Yeah. I've spoken to many people who said, why would you do that? just go to the store? And I was like, that animal has to die regardless. So yeah. if you can have a relationship with it and you can appreciate it and like say thank you, I think that means a lot more to the animal and it makes your meal a lot more meaningful. Um, yeah. Non-homesteaders have a real hard time understanding that, but I think most homesteaders yeah. really, really get that and understand. Yeah. Well, and like, I think once you... I don't know, once you've done it, then you really understand because you, that, I mean, we, when we bred that first litter of kits, we were like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for, they're so cute. And then when it came time to harvest day, we're like, oh, okay, this is going to determine whether we're, we mean it or not. And, um, when I'd say whenever you, you go through with the, like the killing process, um, that is such a small part of the whole day right and so like i said it's it's not fun it's a kind of somber and especially the first one of the batch yes that's the worst one once you get in the flow then you're like all right here we go um but the actual i will say like um like the um i guess is it just skinning i'm losing the term but like the actual like taking it all apart the processing processing yeah. yeah that i i love that part yeah. I think it, that's very satisfying. Yeah. I mean, once you do it and you get past the, the maybe the gore of it or whatever you, however you yeah, want to refer no, to it. Yeah. I mean, but once you start really, it's interesting to break them down and look at the organs Absolutely. and what you have there. And some yeah. people, I, this may turn them off a little bit, but you know, I, I, I am too. I'm kind of fascinated by it too. I don't, I don't even like the killing. Actually, I find rabbits to be more and the more difficult 
animals to actually, you know, to 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 take their life because they yeah. are kind of these cute little fluffy animals. Yeah. But, you know, it's great meat and the process isn't, you know, it's yeah. they're actually really easy to process yeah. compared to some other animals. Do and, you have rabbits now? Or? Yes, I do have rabbits. Okay. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I have times where I don't have, I mean, I've stopped raising them for a short time, but then I always miss them and I get sure. them back on the homestead again because, you know, I like it to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy rabbits and they were the first animal that I had on my homestead and I've mm -hmm. really enjoyed raising them for sure. Yeah. Um, but that's not even really what we're here to talk about today because you even no. have something, I think it's even a little bit closer to your heart that you're doing on this small property. And why don't you yeah, tell us about that? Yeah, shirt? I see the shirt. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, rabbits were the second animal we got on our homestead <laughs> only by a couple months because we kind of, we took that deep, that dive and then it was like, there's no turning back. Why wait? Um, but yeah, so we got our hive of bees March of 2022, I believe. And um, yeah, that was an interesting day because we, so I guess, no, it was April. So we um, had been talking about this for a while. Up until recently, I think they did finally pass an ordinance in Fort Wayne where you can have up to five chickens. But like a year ago, you could not. And our HOA, we still can't. So I'm in the process of drafting a letter to my HOA. <laughs> you want chickens? <laughs> yes, please. I'll give you eggs. Um, but so we couldn't have chickens. All I had was this garden, which is ever expanding, which is great. But if you're thinking at it from, you know, a caloric standpoint, that's it's not that much right in the end. Um, and our garden is still new. We're doing back to Eden style. And so those wood chips are still breaking down. And so, you know, potatoes not working out so great right now. This year is the year of the pumpkins. We've got like eight pumpkins, but um, we wanted something that was going to provide more calories on our homestead and more reliability. And, you know, not so dependent on the weather necessarily. And so we had some talks and my husband brought up bees and I thought he was crazy because I I had never, ever, ever imagined having bees ever. Yeah. Like, and let's remind people the situation here. Quarter of acre in a suburb. Yes. <laughs> so uh -huh. bees. I mean, yeah. like neighbors on either side, yeah. Yeah. right on either side, right where our hive is. I mean, you'll see it if you look on Instagram, but like they're next to a fence. And you can see my neighbor's house right next to that fence. So I have all kinds of questions, but I'm gonna let you go keep going. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is insane. What are you thinking? I have like, we cannot do this. I, I mean, my grandpa always showed me, you know, he's like, look, I'll let the bee land on my hand. And I was like, no, it's gonna sting you. And so I was very anti-bee for a long time. Mm -hmm. Then I got desperate enough and I wanted chickens and we couldn't get chickens. And so I thought, let's do something. So he signed up for a bee class got the bee class, got the hive. Then fast forward, like we ordered the bees. And we're like, all right, we're doing this. This is a little bit scary, but we're, we're going all in. Fast forward to the first week of April. We are in Arizona for a friend's wedding. And uh, it's the day of the wedding. And like the afternoon before we go and we get a phone call from Carter's Bees, which is the local um, apiary here where we got our bees. And he goes, uh, hey, Mike, uh, your bees are ready. You can come pick them up tomorrow. And you're, yeah. And we were like, uh, no, we can't. We're in Arizona. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> and it turns out that when the bees are ready, you have like three days. Really? To, wow. Yeah. I mean, because I, I don't remember exactly what it is. I think, I mean, because they're in that, they're in the package. We've got a package. Uh -huh. And so I think it's just that they would run out of nutrients. And so. There's a limited amount of time before your bees go bad, basically. Um, or I guess, I don't know, something else happens. And so luckily we were not in Arizona for very long, but we also did not have our hive set up at all. <laughs> and this is why, so I wrote the guide, the ultimate guide to backyard beekeeping. And I wrote this because we were like every single milestone we hit with our bees came to us as a surprise. Yeah. So we ended up doing things last minute. So we got back from Arizona at like 1030 at night, the night before he goes to get the bees. We're, we're in the garage painting this hive, you know, it's a little stressful. Um, but yeah, I do everything and, this way. So I get it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone's been there, but, you know, it's just like, holy mackerel. And so next morning he drives out to wherever he was to get the bees. And um, we're wondering, like, oh, I wonder, like, how you get them home and. 
turns out you just uh, set them in your passenger seat in their box and you drive home with 10,000 yeah. bees next to you. 10,000. Yeah, 10, there's no tension there at all. <laughs> no. And I was like, what? But my husband actually said it was a very calm drive back. So better him than me. Yeah, that would be, I think that could be a little stressful, especially if they were making lots of racket in there. and I make know. You a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But turns out like, uh, so once you go down the rabbit hole of bees, um, there are like healing powers that bees have. Have you heard of this? No, tell me. Okay. It's, it's a little woo woo, but apparently, so they have, um, the, the like frequency that bees emit whenever they flap their wings. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, supposedly this it's like calming. And so I think it's in Europe. They have different types of therapies where you actually lay on top of beehives. And so your body feels those vibrations and it yeah. can heal you from a myriad of conditions. I'm not sure which one specifically. Yeah. They also have um, bee air therapy and I don't know what I'm calling it, but like they have, they hook it up somehow where you breathe the air from the hive in and that can heal you. And it's crazy. But so my theory is, is he was so calm on the way home because the bees were, <laughs> were emitting their, their healing frequencies. Could be, could be. I, don't know. I, I think I'd be a little tense, but maybe not. I yeah. Don't know. I'm not, know. I'm not really, I'm not, I don't have any bee allergies and I've been stung plenty in my life, but yeah. I don't know if I want 10,000 of them sitting next to me on a CD. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. Yeah, interesting. Well, that's that's yeah, that's uh, yeah. I've never heard any of that before, but that is kind of interesting. But yeah. you know, I, I can I can understand maybe there's just things in the air, like the air and stuff. I mean, I think there is a lot of benefits, medical benefits to honey, yes. and yes. it just only makes sense that there could be in other aspects of beekeeping as well. Um, well, I, again, I have questions. Um, your HOA doesn't have any issues with bees. No. None. That's interesting. So it turns out that, and I, I would say I can't guarantee this for everyone, but I would say the majority of HOAs and the majority of states actually have no restrictions on beehives whatsoever. So, um, I, well, I should say you're always allowed to have one nuclear hive. Um, most places you're allowed to have two. But there are a lot of statutes in place that actually protect bees and encourage people to keep them because they're so good for the environment. I know even in my town, which doesn't seem very friendly towards a lot of things, mm -hmm. um, you are allowed to have bees. You are supposed to fence around the beehives oh, so really? they can like run into them or something. Mm -hmm. um, like there was, I know one lady, they had her put privacy fence around them. Okay. So I don't know what, I, I really don't know any, I don't know how many they can, you can have or anything like that. But yeah. I know there's, like I said, I don't live in a very friendly community when it comes to, you know, livestock and other things. Sure. There's a lot of limitations, but yeah, bees are allowed even here. And That's which great. if there's one town, I, I would think it would be mine that wouldn't allow it. <laughs> yeah. But well, a lot of I'm, HOAs, obviously, they go a little deeper on rules sometimes. They go beyond city ordinances and things. So I was really curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, I'd have to go look in my little, you know, pamphlet they hand you when you move into the neighborhood, but um, it definitely doesn't say anything about not having bees. It does say you can't have livestock. However, our three rabbits are pets, sort yes. of. So, rabbits and they're can very fly quiet. Under radar quite easily. No one would know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, no. So at least in Fort Wayne, you're allowed to have up to two nuclear hives. And I believe Eric Holcomb, our governor, is um they're in the process of expanding that, so you can actually have really? more. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that might apply to Indiana's or like you as well. Yeah, yeah. Down in I think I think most people do um, understand the importance of bees. I mean, there's so much in the news about it, and just you, sure. you see things about the the bees dying, and and with all the sprays and everything, it's, it's no surprise. So yeah. I think there is a there is a huge effort um, with a lot of agencies and and just folks that are really trying to push for bees, you know, to 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 be more available to have them everywhere so things and we yeah. we all know that the work they do is really important sure. um i think there is a fear too though with bees you know there's a lot of people out there with bee allergies mm -hmm. and um i think there's a lot of fear around that too so i, I kind of like to address that a little bit sure. um, is so there obviously you would be in support of a lot of people getting bees is there anybody you would say shouldn't get bees um you think that's a, really. I'll say it like this. Do you think allergies are a reason? Yeah, no, I know what you're going. Um, so yeah. 
I would say, and I and I have it in the guide, but like, I'm not going to tell you to go get a hive of bees if you're allergic. I no. don't want that on me. <laughs> um, yeah. However, I do. I know of people who have allergies and they wear their suits and they smoke the bees and they're fine. Um, right. We've had our hive for, like I said, since March of 2022. And just about two weeks ago, my husband got his first sting. Yeah. And if and a that, neighbor's got them and you got allergies, it's really no different. They don't like stay in your no, property line. So it doesn't, no, they, not they, at all. Well, know. and the thing is too, so like I have an almost three-year-old and an eight-month-old. Mm -hmm. That's another thing people wonder, like how could you have bees with children? Why would well, you ask about that? Yeah, yeah. Why would you do Why would you put them in that situation? My own grandma, bless her heart, I love her. She goes, how could you do that? And I'm like, you've been here. You see that they don't bother us. Um, mm -hmm. So with children and with people with allergies, when you're around the hive, I mean, unless you are not a, no exaggeration, standing, touching the hive or standing directly in front of the entrance, mm -hmm. you will not be able to tell any difference from anywhere else in the world where bees yeah. are yeah. because they fly directly straight out about 10 to 15 feet and then go up. And yes. so there's no, it's not like a giant cloud of bees around our sure. house. Because uh, I will say that has been something I've considered. I've, I've thought about having bees on my property, mm -hmm. but then I have grandkids that are always here, you know, and I've always thought, yeah. well, I don't know what their situation is yet as far as out. I'm starting to get a grip on it now. They're a little, sure. getting a little older, but um, when, especially when they, you know, you don't know if there's going to be an yeah. issue with that or not. So it's like, you're almost just waiting for them to get a sting. So you, you yeah. know, if it's safe or not to have them around bees. Cause I have considered it, but then I just, like I said, they're running around the property all over the place. I hate to see one of them bump into a hive or something. I would definitely want to block it off or <clears throat> barricade it a little bit so they couldn't. Sure. But uh, yeah, it has been a thought of mine. You know, I don't yeah. want to like put something here that, you know, that could really risk their lives in some cases. If oh, absolutely. If they have a bad uh, allergy. Yeah. Well, and so Charlie, our oldest, um, we had that experience with tree nuts. We ended up having to take her to the hospital because we had no idea. So I'm, yeah. I totally know what that's like. Um, but we've had, I mean, she was not yet even two whenever we got the hive. And so she's kind of had it her whole life almost. So she knows just to not, like within a certain distance she knows not to go over there and yeah. it's never really been an issue for us um I i'm sure maybe some kids wouldn't maybe mind as well but um she's very like she understands the whole process and the only like she actually she just got her first sting a couple like a month ago and that was because we were in the garden we weren't near the hive we were in the garden and she loves watching them. Like they work among the oregano, all of the flowers, and we just watch them and they work right beside us. They don't bother us at all. And um, she was feeling particularly curious one day and just picked one up and went, oh, look, 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 yeah, mom, look, they don't like that. They don't like that. Well, the first day, <laughs> nothing happened. She picked it up and put it down and it didn't sting her at all. And we were like, uh, no, Charlie, we don't do that. Um, but the next day we were harvesting honey and she saw them again and she picked one up again. And that time she was not so lucky, but yeah. luckily we didn't have any reaction. Um, it's good. But yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is like, it can be very scary, especially if you don't know, or if yeah. you are allergic or if you like it runs in your family or something like that. Um, but I, I just, I would have a hard time making that be the reason not to give it a try, especially yeah. if it was, you know, kids or something like that. If you can express to them the importance of boundaries and just know, you know, sure. either you can get a suit of your own because they make suits for kids as young mm -hmm. as four. Yeah. Either you can get a suit of your own and come in with me or you can stay back while mommy and daddy go in. Or do it during nap time. We do that a lot too. <laughs> well, so here, those were the objections I might have for for someone getting a beehive. But why? Why? What are some of the reasons that people should consider getting into beekeeping? I mean, mm -hmm. there's a couple obvious ones, I think. But I think yeah. there's probably more that I'm not even thinking of. Sure, I'm. I'm sure we could have a whole podcast on just reasons to keep bees. Um, <laughs> the couple, the big ones that I tend to kind of harp on and talk to people about. So one, like we talked about, um. It's great for the environment. It's sustainable. Um, it's healing for everyone. So I'm, I have a couple notes if you don't mind. Um, but so they actually, bees pollinate up to or over one third of our nation's food. Yes. And so that's obviously important that we want to keep them around. Um, if you view yourself as someone who is environmentally friendly and, and wants to do good in that way, then that would be a great thing to do. You can also just plant pollinator friendly plants and that is a great thing too. Yeah. Um, but they also, so if you're 
if you keep bees, odds are you might have a garden and you're growing food locally. That would cut down on shipping costs. So that would help lessen pollution, all that kind of stuff. And it would increase the health of your local ecosystem. Um, Then, last but not least, in terms of that area, honey is delicious. It's healthier than refined There's sugars. There's my number one reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's so much healthier than any of the refined sugars that we have in a lot of products. And um, it's one of the most sustainable sweeteners you can use. And it's also, it doesn't require processing. It doesn't spoil. They actually found honey that was still good in the um, Great Pyramids from yeah. the ancient e- Egypt. So there's no argument against honey. You can't, you can't beat honey. Um, the person was who taste tested that to see if it was still good. I know a brave <laughs> one. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, so besides that, I mean, the thing that got me was because, you know, we have local orchards where we get apples and they have honey. And so I thought, well, we could just buy the honey. What's the big deal. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, Obviously, we live in a small space. So I wanted to level up my homestead and I wanted to I wanted to be able to call myself not just a gardener, but a homesteader. And so getting bees for me, that was one of the things that kind of gave me the confidence to do that. Mm. Um, and the inspiration and motivation to keep moving forward and to think of ways that I could maximize where I was rather than waiting for, you know, the dream. Yeah. Um, and so their space is required is is literally the size of the hive plus maybe three to four feet on either side and then 10 feet out in front so i mean it's it's unbelievably space friendly um in addition to that it's super low maintenance cost wise and time wise um once a month maybe twice a month you can go in like during harvest time you probably go in twice a month just to inspect the hive make sure everything's looking good you're looking for eggs and making sure there's no um, parasites or things like that. Um, and that inspection takes maybe 30 to 40 minutes. So that's an hour and a half. Like that's being generous, an hour and a half a month. And if you don't find issues. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. If you don't find yeah. issues. Um, and that's and that's not a, even every month out of the year because once it's winter, you don't touch them. You yeah. leave them alone. Yeah. Um and then, and then cost wise, it is, it's a bit of an upfront cost, you know, maybe five to $700, depending on if you buy a class or not. But, um, once you do that, we actually just deter, like we just figured it out today, but it's like $10 a month to maintain your hive. So yeah, not it is lot. expensive to get into though. I, I know. Sure. So. Yeah. It's an upfront cost and an investment, but the thing is once you have the hive and once you've got everything running, then it's smooth sailing for the most part i have a friend who got into it quite heavily and and uh and we were just talking one day i said well what would it take to to make a living say you get 50 or sixty thousand dollars you know being a beekeeper he said we start out with a hundred you'll have 50 yeah (laughs) start out with a hundred thousand you can get to fifty thousand i mean yeah one of the things that costs a lot up front and and he spent a lot of money setting up hives and everything and i'm I'm, like you said though Lots of things have upfront costs. I mean, if you're raising rabbits and you're building the cages yeah. and buying all the stuff, but then from there on out, it's it's not expensive, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like well, that gardening's the same way, too. Yeah, gardening the beds. The same yeah. Way. yeah, depending on how you do it. Yeah, if you're building raised beds and or even just getting seeds, say you're going to even save your own seeds, you still have to initially start out with something. And yeah. yeah, it's like that with everything. There's just an upfront cost a lot of times mm-hmm. to get started. And yeah, beekeeping is, is no different and probably even a little bit, probably a little higher. I mean, what... You have an idea of like some some ranges. I almost hate to do that because two years from now, somebody listens to this. Obviously, everything goes up in price. But sure. uh, what's it take? Um, let me see. I actually, if I can pull this up, because I have a whole breakdown here. Um, oh, wow, you came prepared. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, so because that's another big question people have. So yeah. all right. Um, most of the like this is based on our experience. So again, if you're listening to this at a different time or in different sorry. places in the country yes, also, I yeah. mean, it's going it, to, it's all relative for sure. Yeah. Um, and these are estimates, but so the hive equipment, that would be like your hive, um, the hive stand, the frames, all that stuff. That would be about $250. Oh, your really? suit. Yeah. Your suit. Now that's also if you're building your hive. So you can buy hives that are already built mm-hmm. that that would be a little bit more expensive. But okay. if you have a hammer and you are relatively handy, 
and you don't like, it's really not hard. You can save a couple bucks by building it yourself. Sure. Um, that's what my husband did. And also whenever we took our beekeeping class, they taught you how to build it. So you came with oh, your materials and then they did it with you. Um, <clears throat> the suit anywhere from a hundred to $150, depending on what model you get. They sell them on Amazon. That's where my husband got his. I got ours from our local beekeeping store or I got mine from our beekeeping store because we were in need of it very quickly. <laughs> um, yes, that's right. Because <laughs> um, I actually, when we first got the bees, I was like, I'm never going to go in there. I don't need a suit. And then I got curious. So um, if whether you get a package or a nuke of bees, so that's your two options. You can get the package, which is um, a little, that box of 10,000 bees with the queen in it, or a nuke, which is basically, I think it's, I think it's one, it's a couple frames. It's like a box of already a couple frames of an established colony. So oh. it gives you, it's like a little bit of a head start, but not too much. That's about $150. If you bought a class, that would be 125, but that's not necessary. Um, so you could save some money there. And then, yeah, like I said, yearly maintenance is like $10 a month, maybe. Um, so overall investment is, I would say between five to $700. Wow, for years size, I thought, yeah, no, yeah, and then, um, if you go into calculating and like some other people like they might because you need some tools too, so maybe maybe add on fifty bucks for tools, you know, mm -hmm. um, but like other people might have different experiences, but for us that's that was what what it cost for us, um, and then when you go to calculate the output in terms of honey, um an average hive on a good like year for harvest, you can get up to 10 gallons from one hive. Oh, wow. Yeah. And a quart of honey runs for like $18 normally. So expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't know. I can never do math on the spot, but it's like, yeah. basically, if I remember correctly, you can pretty much break even or almost break even within your first year of your first hive. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's up and, to you. I mean, if you, the thing is, is like I cook from scratch a lot and yeah. we use honey as sweeteners and we use, we've been using maple syrup more now since Evie is not yet a year old, but um, like with the rest of us, we use honey as our sweeteners. We use it in mm -hmm. our coffee and our baking. And so when you're going through quarts and quarts of honey, it's nice to not have to pay that $18. <laughs> do you, do you get a significant amount of the byproduct like wax also? Um, yeah. 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 Because I use a lot of that. We use a lot of beeswax Absolutely. making salves and things, you know. Yes. And, and... Yeah. It depends on the way you harvest your honey. So okay. um, there's two different ways you can, they call it the crush and strain method, or you can use an extractor. So the crush and strain would be Spin. you take yeah. your frame. Yeah. You take your frame, you literally scrape out everything, and then you put it in a sieve and you crush it and strain it. That would give you a lot more wax because you're destroying all the comb that those bees have created. Yeah. Um it's not, I mean, it's not bad for the bees, but it just means that like if you harvest in June and you want to get another harvest in September, it might be a little iffy because it's going to take them more time to build that comb sure. up. Yeah. Um, with the extractor, you just basically scratch the caps to open that honey up and you spin it and it looks really awesome. And then it spins all the honey out. And so that comb, with the exception of the cappings, is still left intact. So the bees have nowhere near as much work to, to like refill everything. So, okay. um, we got from, I think we were both supers the first time around we did the extractor. We got eight ounces of wax, which if you're using it, like I used it to make a couple candles and you're going to use a lot more wax, but I gave sure. some to my friend who makes soap and she only needed a half an ounce. Okay. So it depends on what you're making. And eight, eight ounces could yeah. be a lot or it could be not a lot. But. If you had multiple hives, you could take turns and maybe get Absolutely. more wax, do one one way and another one a different way. And that yes. way you still have a quite a, you know, just just a, you know, just kind of rotate it around that way and exactly. get more of one if you needed more of it. Yeah. And as I was gonna say, it depends on what you want to. Like right. for us yeah. right now, we just want honey. Um, the yeah. wax, we're we're we haven't like experimented with making salves too much. I'm definitely interested in that. I want to try making um like the beeswax sandwich wraps. Mm -hmm. I really want to try that. Um, but since that's still the new area of where we are, that's it's the wax is just kind of a bonus and kind of a fun part right now. But I'm sure later on down the road we'll be more interested in getting more of that. Well, I, I do know that 
beekeeping i mean it's one of the things that's just ever expanding you get into it yeah these are the basics but yeah. then there's so much more we start talking about you know treating you know problems we start talking about splitting hives and yes you know just there's so much to it like i've been around it enough to know that there's a lot to it yeah um, so i i would like maybe to talk about getting in to beekeeping is you have some recommendations on how to learn and how to get started with that absolutely so um well, YouTube, I guess. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's that's always the best intro. That's always the best intro. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of learning and getting into it, so I would first go ahead and get in touch with your local beekeeping association. So yeah. pretty much everywhere has a beekeeping association. Um, you can go, you can just Google it and there's I don't remember. I think it's like the beekeeping federation or something, mm -hmm. but they have a whole list of every single state and all the associations in the state. So okay. you will find at least the direction that you need to go. Um, then you can either, you know, if that, if taking a class is something that's interesting to you, you can definitely sign up for a class. Um, I also have a guide that I wrote um, that, yeah, that I, I'm so excited to tell everyone about. So um, since I, you know, we've been through this, we're still like, we are still very new at this. I feel like uh, there are many times we still look in our hive and I'm like, all right, let's call Glenn because he's our mentor. And that's one of the great yes. things about having a beekeeping association is they'll hook you up with a mentor. Yeah. I've often you heard always... that's really important. And, and yes. these are, these are folks that are passionate about, about beekeeping, but they're also passionate about helping others get started beekeeping. And Absolutely. So they, they, have, they have a real desire to see you succeed in this. Yes. Yeah. And so he's great. A great sounding board to tell us that's totally normal or hmm, you might want to, you know, do this or switch a frame around or something mm -hmm. like that. So that's great. Um, But but yeah, I wrote the guide because some people don't have mentors or some people might not want to spend that extra $125 to take a whole class. Yeah. Um, And so basically I took our entire experience from the day that we decided we wanted bees all the way to the day that we harvested our first batch of honey and I wrote it down and I talked about what we did, what you shouldn't do, um, what to expect and, you know, tips and tricks on how to do things that we may, that might've, you know, tripped us up along the way. And so yeah. it's 60 pages of our learnings all for everyone else's benefit. <laughs> Sounds valuable because I know that there, there's a lot of mistakes that can be made and beekeeping. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I have a good friend that got into it a few years ago and he made a lot of those mistakes early on, you know, sure. and it cost him some hives and, and, yeah. uh, and also it <laughs> just a lot of issues. I mean, they just ran into a lot of issues on just how to, you know, when you live in a climate like ours, I mean, there's harsh winters and you got to know how to prep for that and, and, yes. and get your bees to where they survive through the winter time. So there were some mistakes made there. There's mm -hmm. just, it's easy to make a few mistakes and it's, it's, it can really be a lot less expensive to just get some help and or read some material or, or even take a class than, yeah. than just making those mistakes. Because as you pointed out, it's not inexpensive, really. The startups aren't. Really no, you don't want to just throw away that 150 bucks. I'll yeah, say. yeah, exactly. And that could add up, especially if you're dealing with multiple hives, that could add yes. up really quick. So yeah. yeah, I mean, so it sounds like a wise investment. If you're going to yeah. get into it, you want some help with that. And, sure. Uh, like I said, YouTube is great and it has plenty of, of great um, information there. And there's lots of folks on there that really know what they're doing, but I'm a book person for sure. I mean, I love yeah. to read things and, and and just have quick access to see something in print and, and put it to work. So I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of books and, yeah. uh, and I think a mentor, a local person that could even come by and take a look like if you see a possible yes. issue and have somebody say well i can swing by and you know yep. look at that for you and kind of verify what you're seeing there i think that would be really valuable absolutely well and we had glenn come over so we installed our bees um which is really you just dump the box of bees into your hive it's dramatic but um so we installed them and he came over about three days later just to help us make sure everything looked great and yeah. so it was not only that's great for the bees, but it's great for us because as new beekeepers, we were not sure what we were looking for. And so it was great for our peace of mind. But um, yeah, to piggyback off what you said, I would say the the most, I don't know, risky time of the year for bees is definitely winter. And so that's when a lot of people lose their hives, unfortunately, because they don't insulate properly or they don't provide enough ventilation. And 
So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fine balance, but if you can get it right, like we lost over half of our hive last winter, but they came back strong. So it's not unusual to lose some of them, but you just don't want to lose all of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like a, I mean, I, I, I want, I've wanted bees for a long time. I've often just thought about how I would make it work and you know sure. I, I have it but one of my you know i've had a few concerns i mean obviously there's a little bit of cost up to it so you know you're like how much yeah. how much do i want to invest how many hives do i want i yeah. probably wouldn't have more than a couple on my property but you yeah. know um, we might then, get a second one eventually but yeah we just yeah. started with the one because we're like we yeah. don't know how this is gonna go <laughs> i guess I mean, you've been talking this whole time and i'm wondering and one thing i didn't ask you is how do your neighbors feel about it yes so um <laughs> well I, I, they've never known to be honest. Um, so our neighbors, I guess our, our street is kind of, they, they keep to themselves, which I really, that kind of bums me out because I'd like to be friends with our neighbors. Um, but it's a lot of older folks in our street. And so a couple of our neighbors, like on the other side, they know us and they, you know, have heard about it, but they're just like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You keep bees and they don't act. I don't think it, Okay. clicks in their brain that there's you don't, got them, you don't 40, have them bees in the front yard or anything <laughs> no um but the house who's next to us on the side with the bees one we ha- we do ha- we're lucky we have a privacy fence uh-huh. so oh like what happens in the backyard stays in the backyard <laughs> um our homestead is our secret and so uh they at least to my knowledge they don't know and and i've I've tried to say hi to them well, multiple times if, and they are very quiet. So if the impact is so little that they don't even notice, then, then it obviously doesn't matter. No. And, and they have a pool anyway. like in their backyard and their yeah. grandkids are over and we've never heard anything. And, well, and the thing, like, it's not, yeah. like I said, it's not like the bees go around, they go straight out and up. So they stay in our area. Yeah. yeah. And you probably got more stuff growing in your yard than anybody else around you just having gardens and things. So yes. You're probably, they're probably sticking pretty close to home for the most part, you know? Yeah. I mean, bees do, like, they will fly in about a five mile radius from Mm -hmm. their hive, which is fascinating to me. Like, how they know how to get back is crazy. But um, I would say a good percentage of them are right in our yard because we have tons of flowers and tons of, you know, things that they'd like to eat. So Sure. Yeah. Do you have any fruit trees or anything on your property here? We don't. I would love some. We have blackberry bushes. Um, okay. And then, yeah, watermelon and pumpkins. But pretty much everything we have, except for the berries, is an annual. We're working yeah. on, like, our, our herbs are perennial, but um, the oregano is, like, one of their favorite things. Yeah. yeah. Favorite. Yeah. I'll tell you, I see more. I, I grow comfrey. I have a lot of comfrey here. And those comfrey, oh, yeah. I see more bees on the comfrey than on anything else they love those little comfrey flowers yeah and i mean every time i go out there and walk along the comfrey you just see dozens of them all over mm-hmm. the flowers all the time yeah. i don't even have bees but they just show up and they're all over those comfrey flowers all the time yeah. it's pretty amazing bumblebees even show up and they're all over those too it's a, yeah we have a ton of bumblebees they yeah. love our sunflowers like yeah crazy yeah yeah, yeah that's so. that's awesome so well, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about bees that, I mean, it sounds like it is definitely your passion. I mean, is there anything you feel like we left out or you wanted to add to that? Um, Gosh, that's a, that's the toughest question all day. Um, No, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I have anything to add. I just, I would love, yeah. I think the, the main thing, like you mentioned, that kind of holds people up is, is that fear, right? And I can attest because I was one of those people. And I, and I still haven't gotten my sting, so I'm getting yeah. antsy about it. I'll tell you, but, um, it's one, the sting isn't that bad. And that's, I think that as long as you're not allergic, that should not be something that, sure. that keeps you from doing it because they're incredibly docile, to be honest. Like when you're in that hive and you're watching them work and you're seeing all of the things that they're doing, they, they couldn't care less that you're there. You know, they are they are focused on their job and they're just they're amazing creatures to watch um, what they do for the environment, what they do for your garden, what they do for your health is, I don't know, irreplaceable. And so I'm a big proponent. And I think in terms of the like the health aspect that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, um, I, I kind of have this vision in my head of like everyone having a beehive in their backyard 
and or everyone at least, you know, in their neighborhood, being able to source locally grown food from their their yard or their neighbor's yard and like working together to kind of make that food circle small. And I, I don't know. I just think that bees are the centerpiece of that. And especially if people are we hadn't really talked about it, but if they're wanting to get started on that homestead and feeling stuck, prices are rising. It's hard to move right now. Um, bees are a great way to get started in that and kind of actually produce something worth something, you know, not just a couple tomatoes. I know uh, most people refer to uh, chickens as a gateway. And when we yes. hear what I've seen referred to bees as that. Bees are the gateway <laughs> drug to the homestead. Yeah. Um, I love well, it. Yeah, because uh, trust me, chickens, that's where I wanted to go. But and that that yeah. wasn't in the cards for us at the at the moment. And so I think it worked out the way it was meant to be. Yeah, I, I had to go with quail rather than chickens because chickens yeah. were an option for me and my property. So I did quail yeah. and, you know, we, I, I love raising quail. They're a did fantastic Did you use them for bird. eggs or meat? Both. Yeah. Both. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I just, I can't get past that their eggs are so tiny. Like They are. It takes point? about four to five of them to equal one chicken egg. Oh, gosh. But, you know, egg a day and you can have a whole lot more of them than chickens in a real small space. So That's true. That's true. Uh, I enjoy them and they're, they're a good substitute for chickens. I mean, I yeah, but I, I'd love to have some big old juicy chickens running around i'd rather eat that yeah. meat but i mean quail meat's fantastic i mean sure. it's uh it does they're a small animal a small well, they're egg. quiet too right they don't they make are a lot pretty, of well, the roosters can make some noise but nobody knows what that is so yeah <laughs> it doesn't sound like a chicken <laughs> that's so funny yeah we might get quail we're not sure quail or chickens yeah. but i really that's... i really enjoy my quail and they're easy i've never raised anything as easy as quail i mean they really? are the easiest animal i have they're easier than the rabbits wow. uh, for sure easier to process too than rabbits and rabbits are pretty easy. So I'm Ooh, talking you into quail. You're convincing yeah. me. Yeah. I'm going to have to go <laughs> well, upstairs and talk to my husband. <laughs> I am curious. What's uh, what's what's the future look like for your your homestead? I mean, you got big plans where you're at or is it maybe moving on someplace else or uh, what's it look like in the future? A year from now, five years from now? What's, what are you thinking? So let's see. So definitely I would say I, I don't know the exact time limit or timeline, but um, the next thing is either going to be another hive for us or quail or chickens. Um, hopefully chickens, if I can convince yeah, you can them, get them to convinced, it. right? Yeah. I know they like us. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I can, I can butter them up. And so that would be the next, next big thing. We definitely, we've got some friends who have a couple acres over on the other side of town. So, um, Mike, my husband wants to add a hive over there as well. Oh, that's a good idea. So yeah, we're thinking, cause that would help them out too. Um, and so we're thinking either a hive over there and a hive in our yard or just another hive in our yard, um, and then some chickens. And so we'll see what happens in the next, hopefully three to five years, we will be moving on to larger property yeah, yeah. where we can have more things. Um, I, I can understand maybe you're yeah, not maybe where you're at since you do have plans, maybe move somewhere in the fairly near future, not yeah. establishing like food forests and planting a lot of fruit trees, sure. and, you know, things like that. I mean, that is something that's long-term, you know, yes. and, and we doesn't sound that like is, that is definitely the plan for the, like the permanent property, sure, but yeah. this is the first house we've ever lived in. And so unfortunately we have to think about resale. <laughs> And yes, although I yeah, love you the almost idea do have to unhomestead a place to make it more valuable to most I know. people. Yeah. Well, it's, and the thing is, is like we already tore down a big tree to make room for the garden. So uh -huh. yeah. we can't really tear down any more trees Um, because <laughs> some people might love a garden, but our garden's almost a thousand square feet. Um, I mean, it takes up probably a quarter of our yard mm -hmm. and I could easily make it take up more. But um, we want to keep that either doable for someone else who moves in or like able to kind of fill in, you know, if they don't want it. So. Yeah. Well, I, I hope what people have really gotten from this today is one, bees are fantastic and we should all have a hive, but yes. two is, is also that, you know, just because you live in a place with a small yard or even no yard, there are so many things you can do. Yes. And, uh, and it's really, yeah, there may be ordinances that, that, that prevent you from doing some things or, but, other than that, really, your imagination. I mean, what you think outside the box a little bit. Think about things you can do right where you're at. And it's amazing what you can come up with. And, Absolutely. And, I mean, I didn't think when I first, we actually bought the property next to us. Our listeners know this. But, you know, when I first started, we had a tenth of an acre. Yeah. 
really small yard. Yeah. And I filled every bit of it with trees and bushes and garden mm-hmm. and and even the rabbits, you know, I put a rabbit and put a little greenhouse up and, you know, yeah. we just made do. And then we ended up buying the property next to us. I gave us a quarter of an acre, about a quarter of an acre now. And yeah, I mean, but still there's just so much you can do in a small space. Absolutely. Well, and, and I it's, know you care about that as well, having people. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's the thing that I've learned and the main, like the biggest change that has occurred in me really is the mindset. And it's all about that mindset because you can be living in a studio apartment in New York City and still be cooking from scratch, baking your own yeah. bread, you know, foraging for things. And so there's yep. the more you get into it, the more you realize that the definition of a homesteader is. I mean, there isn't one, you know, it's, it's someone who values food and values where it comes from, I think. And so whether that's you producing yourself or sourcing it locally um, or working towards whatever your goal might be, I sure. think don't let walls and square feet keep you from, you know, accomplishing your dreams. Yeah, that's a good word. I love it. And I'm always, I, I just love meeting people that have kind of that same mindset as me. And, and I didn't start out there. I mean, it, I, folks like you, um, you know, were the ones that showed me it could be done. You know, I remember going on YouTube and then seeing it done going, oh, it it can be done in a small space. You can grow a significant amount of food in a very small space. And, and I try to be that for other people that, you know, encourage other people like, Hey, I'm doing it. You can do it too. And it looks like you're doing the same thing. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired by it. I hope others are as well. I love hearing stories like this. We have some, we have some pretty, you know, big name guests on occasionally. We have, yeah. we have people with big properties, you know, that are doing lots of cool stuff sometimes, but I got to tell you, these are my favorite kinds of interviews. They are. I love Thank talking to, to people who are just, they're just, they don't, they're not being stopped by this little limitation of no land or a very little land. And they just yeah. figure out a way to do some things, to bring in some nutritious food and to just start homesteading and, yeah. and make it happen. And I love that. And I'm, I'm so glad you came on to, to tell everyone your story and encourage some folks. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I think it's us, us little folks have a, a stronger fire than the people who have all the you know land they can imagine. Cause sometimes I find that to really case. fight for what we want. So that's right. So we're going to make it happen. Yeah. Well, is there anything you want to, you want to leave folks with before I let you go? Um, well, again, thank you so much, Ralph, for having me on today. Um, if you want to follow along with my beekeeping journey, it's I'm just the sweet gum spot over on Instagram. Um, I have the guide, the ultimate back ultimate guide to backyard beekeeping. If you want to start your own beekeeping journey, yeah. and um, you can always reach out to me on Instagram and let me know your questions and how your homestead journey is going. I'd love to get to know everyone on your podcast and be friends. Awesome. Well, I've been I've been following along with you on Instagram for a while. You're doing some great stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have those links in the show notes for folks to click on and head on over there and follow you. And uh, yeah, I hope some folks reach out to you. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I if there's anybody out there that's been just thinking about bees, I'm sure you've kind of just put them right over the edge and, and yes. I'm sure they'll have some questions for you. So I hope they reach out to you and and and, and even get your guide and yeah. uh, get that you know, information they need to really get started in a good way and, uh, you know, avoid some of those uh, maybe common mistakes and things. Yes, so I pre- yeah. we'll walk with you hand by hand. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Katie, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I, good stuff. I loved it. Thank you so much. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a modern homestead Build a modern Why won't I live this way? They've never eaten from their land Like we do here every day Snapping beans like Grandma did Sitting on her front porch Hunting and fishing like a kid Once you've done all of your chores It's a modern homestead 
today.